Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of Be Real, Get Real with Women's Prosperity Network. I'm Trish Carr, your host, and I'm so thrilled to be here today on this lovely, lovely day. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever it is you are, and I invite you to go ahead and grab a cup of coffee or your water. I'm going to get my water or whatever it is so you can chill out and be with us for the next 15 minutes. Well, I um, introduce you to someone who's incredible. You know, what this is about, what we do on Be Real, Get Real, is we get to know the people behind the face of a business. Because we don't do business with businesses, we do business with people. So it's about meeting those people. And let me tell you who we're got. We are, I'm so excited. I feel like this woman is a kindred spirit of mine because as you know, I think, and I talk about it all the time, the communication is everything. And this person shares the same mission. And that's to help people think big picture when they imagine themselves, their careers. And she has been helping business owners with marketing in the age of social media. So she goes beyond what I do. She knows how to speak to people through social media platforms. And what she does is she simplifies it and makes it easier for you to leverage your business on the internet. She thinks of herself as the message therapist. I love that. I love that. She's got a, a vast background in corporate America where she worked in litigation for large firms in the DC area. And what she also did was she is a veteran for over 16 years, born and raised in Maryland. She is a published author. She is an incredible woman. Please, please, please help me welcome Peg Duchesne. Peg, welcome. So good to see you this morning. Thank you, Trish. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Me too. And I love that background. And I said, first thing I said to Peg was, is that your, are you really there? And she said, yes, she's at a friend's house and there's a cute little lighthouse in the back. It looks so, uh, it looks so DC, so Maryland. I'm actually in the state of Delaware at Bethany Beach. Ah, uh -huh. you and you, you with the president. Yep. He's not far away. That's for sure. He's in Rehoboth, <laughs> I think. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, welcome, Peg. I'm so glad that you are here with us. Grateful. And you really are a communication expert. And one thing I really don't know a lot about you is your experience um, with the Army. So tell me about that. Sure. Well, I was um, born and raised in Silver Spring, Maryland. My dad was a Marine. Oh, mine too. He enlisted when he was 17 and you needed to be 18 and he had to go through rigmarole of extra certification and stuff. And the Korean war was um, happening and he was in Korea when I was born. And actually it's a funny story. The red cross didn't notify him till I was um, almost a month old that I had been born. It's not oh, like wow. a day of instant notification. Right. Uh, so he was waiting to get the news and the Red Cross couldn't find him in Korea or something. But um, I'm the oldest of eight kids. I have two brothers and five sisters. And he ran the family somewhat like a Marine platoon, if you will. Did um, he wear his hair in a flat top? 
He he did have a flat top. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had graduated from college and was working at a law firm in Washington, D.C. as a support staff person. And my dad kept saying, you should join the military. You should join the military. So I looked into a couple of options and the Maryland Army National Guard really spoke to me because I love the dual mission of not just being a national entity, but also serving your state as well. Mm -hmm. And so I joined the Maryland Army National Guard, went to my boot camp basic training at um, Fort McClellan, Alabama. And at this point in time, it was 1980. So the integration of women in the military hadn't been going on for very long. And there were a lot of people, a lot of men who didn't feel that women had a place in the military. Mm -hmm. So I was always button up against that kind of mindset. And I can imagine you you told those men what for. <laughs> yeah, and you need, you know, it's like the Fred Astaire and Nancy Rogers, you have to do everything they're doing, but backwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> Working twice as hard to, to make a difference and do what we did. So yeah, my first job in the military was as a company clerk for a medical unit. So if you think, back to the MASH TV series, I was somewhat like Radar on MASH and interacted with the first sergeant and the commanding officer who was a lieutenant colonel and just had a good rapport with the officers and the enlisted and everybody needed something from the company clerk, right? And one uh, two-week training in our summer, they were short ambulance drivers And I said, well, what do you need to do to be an ambulance driver? They said, well, you need a Maryland driver's license. I said, check. And we need to train you on our vehicle. I said, well, train me. And I'll, well, no, we want you to be chained to your typewriter. And I'm like, what if I split my time between the two? So they finally agreed to um, let me do that. And so I drove the ambulance and we were picking up patients. And I saw all the great stuff the medics were doing. And I talked to my commanding officer and said, I really think I want to go to medic training. No, no, we need you as the company clerk. I finally said, well, I'm being called. And I had learned CPR years ago as a Girl Scout. Mm-hmm. And then when I was an RA in college, I had our, you know, CPR certification and first aid kinds of things. Anyway, I went to medic training and lo and behold, ended up being the honor graduate of medic training. Wow. So, and I really loved that aspect. And I was an, the ambulance platoon sergeant and I was in charge of about 20 people running the schedule and making sure we had coverage here, there and everywhere and doing some interim trainings to help people keep their skills fresh and all those kinds of things. And I just loved it. And uh, later I advanced in my career was the treatment platoon sergeant, which was about 50 people. And we ran all the clinics and stuff like that. And then I decided to go to officer candidate school. So I went through OCS and it was arduous training for sure. They don't just let anybody be an officer. No, I've seen officer and a gentleman. I know. Yeah. So as a um, military officer, my job was a logistics officer and I planned to plan missions and how to, we would do these sort of fake casualty exercises where we'd, all of a sudden say radio in that a truck had flipped over and we'd have um, like theatrical 
makeup and and stage wounds and the medics would have to come and do the treatment that was required wow. to save the lives and stuff like that. So I would orchestrate those kinds of things. It was, I loved my time and then did get activated for some state missions. There was one time when Maryland was deluged with a horrific snowstorm, you know, 22 inches. And I helped coordinate Humvee drivers to go pick up people who needed dialysis treatment and stuff like that. So I did get to experience both a national mission as well as state helping the state community, you know, citizens in the communities around our state. So I loved all of it. And how long did you do that, Peg? How long? How many years? 16 and a half years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a long time. You've and at the same time, you know, you're, at the same, you know, when you're in the guard, you're a citizen soldier. So you're working your regular job and you have weekend duties and then you have your two weeks training in the summer and that kind of thing. Right. And as an officer, or as a platoon sergeant, I was attending a lot of meetings throughout the month, planning for the next two week or two day training on the weekend and the long range planning for the two weeks in the summer. And I worked in downtown Washington, D.C. And these meetings were always in Baltimore, which is about an hour and a half or two hours away. So yeah. a lot of time on the road back and forth. But made some great connections, some of whom I'm still in contact with to this day. And just, you know, when you take the oath of office uh, or join the service, you agree to lay down your life for the person to the left of you, the right of you, the side right. of you. It's a deep kind of a connection with other people. And I loved it. Yeah. And I'm sure you're still in touch with many of those people today. Many of those people. Yeah. And yeah. out of my dad's eight kids, I'm the only one who wore boots. Nobody else joined the service. They, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, my brothers both said, I've served enough time in my dad's military. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> I can relate to but that. I'm so glad I served our country and my state and uh, made the connections. And one thing I would like to say about um, being real and getting real is having served in the enlisted ranks for about seven years before I went on to OCS and become an officer, I had more respect than a lot of the other officers who either got a direct commission or um, went through OCS, but never served as an enlisted. Because when, you know, when you're telling your troops to do something, they say, you know, what, why are we doing this or something? And because I said so could be right. one of the answers versus, well, this is how our mission fits into the bigger picture and the bigger picture, right? And I think when you've walked in the shoes of the people you're commanding, you have a much better relationship with them because you understand it from their point of view. And um, that was very gratifying to me. And that is so true, you know, um, and I'm, you probably saw this in your corporate experience as well. People who had never walked in the shoes of the people doing the job managing the people doing the job right. you know there's definitely a disconnect so it's a it was good for you you know one of the things I wanted to ask you was you mentioned when you first went into the military that women were not really welcome what kind of changes did you see over those 16 years in that kind of thinking 
Well, even towards the end of my time in the military, and one of the reasons that frustrated me so much that, um, and other things were going on in my civilian career as well, but there were still people with the mentality of, I'm all that, and you're just a woman, and yeah, right. there were changes, and and you know, part of the transformation comes when the men, my colleagues, would see that oh, women can march right along with us and do the things that we're doing, and you know, when I was honor graduate of the medic class, we were about one quarter women, three quarters men in the class, and I excelled not only at the book work. But also there were lots of applications and, you know, you had to prove your skills along the way and carry the, um, you know, a litter is like a bed that you have the patient on four people. You had to lead, you had to be the litter lead and, and direct your turn and left, right and all that without dropping the patient and all those right. kinds of things. And I think what helped in the transformation or the realization that, oh, maybe women do have a place is that we excelled at what we were doing and worked hard to gain their respect. But, um, yeah, that's, and it, I mean, you know, they have no choice if they see it, they have to some at one point will acknowledge it. Seeing is believing. And yeah. the same thing happened in law firms. <clears throat> Lots of the lawyers would graduate from law school and come to work at these big firms where I was in Washington and they'd never really worked a job in their life, they were always in school and doing, um, and the kinds of law firms where I worked, they would take the top 10% of the students in the top 10 law firms of the country. So it's a higher echelon of an individual and mm -hmm. sort of the silver spoon syndrome. And they would say, go make 20 copies of this. What took so long? Well, they had no idea how to put a pack of papers on a copy machine and yeah. run it through and get it all stapled and stuff. They're just like, you know, and that was humorous as well. I have a degree in psychology, so I would look at things through that filter and always, you know, think about what they're thinking and just fascinating. Wow. And your law firm career, how long was that? 30 years, three decades. Wow. So what was it that made you want to be the magical communicator that you are today and just break out and do it on your own and because you've been doing that now for 15 years. 15 years, yeah. So I was I was in high demand for like one lawyer that headed up the litigation team knew I was a really good proofreader. And he said nothing could go to court unless PD was in the corner knowing that I had looked at it. And that was quite a compliment, but it was also a lot of pressure. Like, oh. Yeah, one little mistake and it's BD's fault. Right. And uh, it, I was working late hours. I'd be, um, you know, rushing from the law firm to catch the last Metro train out of the city and, you know, hoping I made it. And, you know, it just one night I was standing on the platform waiting for the last train to come to take me out to the suburbs. And I'm just like, I'm tired of making other people look good. And at the time, social media was really coming into its own and things like Facebook fascinated me. And I wanted to learn more about that and the ripple effect that relationships can make online as well as in person. And I just one day decided I'm going to make a plan and move. So I move away from 
corporate America. So I did a little research about social media and how it was being used to advertise people's businesses and stuff. And I just left corporate, left my law firm and started Duchess Enterprise and started helping people along the way. And Trish, I'd like to say that a couple of months into my career as an entrepreneur, I was introduced to Bob Berg. Yes. And he is one of my um, influential mentors throughout my life. And it's through Bob Berg that I met you and Susan and Nancy. Yes. And I remember, I remember the day we first met. We were at Extreme Business Makeover in Orlando and you all were just starting. I don't even think you'd named it Women's Prosperity Network. You were just, you were vendors at his event and you were talking with me about we're going to make this organization and we're going to help uplift women. And I'm like, that sounds great. But I would <laughs> live in Florida. I lived in Maryland. So anyway, right. I'm so grateful that through Bob, I met you and I'm involved with Bob Berg's Go-Giver Success Alliance. And that's a really great organization of um, terrific people, entrepreneurs, and so grateful for all of that in my journey. And then I became aware of an organization called BNI, Business Network International, and I joined that nearly 15 years ago. And Ivan Meisner is another one of my great mentors. He's the founder of BNI. And about um, eight years ago, I could trace 82% of my business to somebody I met in BNI, a referral I got from BNI, or the ripple effect where a satisfied customer who I had met through BNI introduced me to another potential client. 82% of my clients had come through that organization of BNI, Business Network International. Well, I met Ivan Meisner also in, <coughs> excuse me, 2012. And he was, I heard him speak and I spoke to him after the event. And, you know, people like Ivan Meisner, who created BNI, Bob Berg, who created the Go-Giver philosophy, People like that, you know, you feel like you're with kindred spirits. They understand the importance of bringing in business, but even more so they understand the importance of being someone that people want to do business with, that it's not just let's go for the money. It's who am I being as I am dealing with people. And that's really who you are as well. I mean, you know, you, I, I facilitate zooms all the time and no sooner do i facilitate one of my zooms that in the mail i get this great card so that i can use it for my um zooms the other the other uh, the other side of the card looks like this <laughs> i love it i mean it's just the smallest ways peg that you make a difference in people's lives but to me this is still sitting on my desk i still use it every time i'm on a zoom i mean you just have learned and have put into practice the principles that make a difference for people yeah, so yeah. i'm sure that your clients also get the benefit from that so you're spreading that same go giver attitude in what you do with people Tell me a little bit about how you work with your clients. And let me go ahead and give everybody your uh, website so they can go ahead and check out what you're up to and how you can make a difference for them. How do you work with your clients? Thanks, Trish. So 
you know, when I first start working with a client, we set some goals. I ask them what social media platforms they're using. I'll evaluate whether those are good platforms, whether they should consider adding one or more, depending on where their target audience is. And <clears throat> the reason I have the nickname message therapist is because I help massage the words so that they can hit the, so they can attract the right kinds of clients that they want and like to work with in whatever their business is. And then a lot of times my clients hire me and pay me to take away the overwhelm there. They know that marketing is important, but they're busy in the minutia of all the details of whatever their business is. And they don't have time to figure out the algorithms and the platforms and the benefits and the what to post, when to post. So I work with my clients to develop a, a theme and a strategy and to plan out their posts on whatever platform we determine are the best ones and within an hour a week or less, we can plan out the whole week or even two weeks at a time. And it takes that pressure off. They know it's going to be posted. And I have a great platform that helps you plan ahead and post and know that it's all going to be done ahead mm -hmm. of time. And uh, so that's how I work with my clients. And then I have a tool called the bank tool that's mm -hmm. blueprint action, nurturing knowledge. It's an assessment tool that lets you understand how your message is showing up and if it's showing up to attract the right people. And so I employ the artificial intelligence aspects of that tool and the message, and that's the massaging part. And that's how I work with my clients. Usually it's a once or twice a week, half an hour session to set some goals. Then I go do some work. I come back, they evaluate the work, they approve it or we tweak it. And then I set it up to be posted and scheduled and, Lots of my clients want me to do their social media posts for them or with them. They um, may want to do a newsletter or um, you know, blog, those kinds of things. And that's how I work with my clients. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, Peg, one of the things I, when I first work with people and throughout the time that I work with business people, one of the major things we talk about is consistency showing up on social media. And it's one of the biggest challenges people have exactly. is the consistency. I'll ask, so how, did you do your, you know, did you post at least once this week something special? Oh, well, I didn't get to it or <clears throat> I couldn't do it or I didn't know what to say. And even when I give them prompts to help them, many people need handholding because, you know, you have a gift of that you've developed I, I realize you were not born a communicator right, right. You, you developed and honed this skill over the many years of things that you did to become who you are and other people didn't I mean that's all there is to it it's just a difference in skill level and experience but right. the biggest most important part of your business is being able to communicate your message and that's what you do for people it is so vital to having a consistent business that's bringing in cash, bringing in clients and making the difference. So thank you, Shane. Thank you so much for what you do for entrepreneurs, because it's, it's crucial that they have a message therapist making a difference for them. Thank you. Thank you. Go to, uh, go to the website, duchessllc.com and many people call Peg Duchess, 
which is easy when you look at her last name. It's it looks like Duchess when you first see it. Is it Peg Duchess? <laughs> right. right. So go to the website and definitely be in touch with uh, Peg. Um, is there anything that you would say that could help people to hone their message when they're out there in the world? Like, what kind of suggestion can you give other than call me because I know what I'm doing? <laughs> but what what do people need to be considering when they are sharing their message? You have to think of the other person and put yourself in their shoes. So, you know, the book, The love like five love languages. Yeah. They talk about giving a gift, not that you would like, but that your partner would like. You need to think about who the recipient is of this message and make sure it rings true to them, not necessarily to you. In, in the bank methodology, we call it the platinum rule. The golden rule is treat everybody the way you want to be treated. The platinum rule is treat other people the way they want to be treated. Right. So, in this methodology, we determine how to deliver the message based on who your ideal audience is. And then that when you deliver that message in that way, you attract the right kinds of people that you desire to serve. And it's just so crucial about thinking about the other person putting them first. We talked about the go-giver. We talked about BNI and giver's gain. You held up the you're on mute card. That's Cody Bateman's company send out cards. And I've been sending out cards since 2008. And it's all about making that little bit of a difference and standing out in the crowd by making that little difference. Yeah. And, and that little difference makes a big difference. Makes a big difference, exactly. Yeah, so any of you who are with us or watching, uh, go to duchessllc.com, and when you scroll just a little bit, you'll see um, get my newsletter. And Peg is set, sends out little tips, little suggestions, ideas. So go ahead and make sure you go ahead and go to the website and get um, your email address in there so that you can hear from Peg so she can support you. And I urge you to reach out to her because... You know, this skill is not built by yourself. This skill is built alongside someone who knows what they're doing. And it's a real, uh, it's, you know, the number one thing you need to do in your business. So be sure to be in touch with the Duchess at duchessllc.com. And Peg, thank you so much for being with us today. You know, you have been working in a man's world for most of your career between the military and working with attorneys who come out with a silver spoon in their mouth, you've really made strides for all of us women in those areas because when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. So I so appreciate you and I so appreciate you in the community. You are always the first one to say, I can help with that. I'll be happy to give you some information, give me a call. You're the first one to say, I can do it. And that go-giver attitude and that um, that just being so there for other people really does show all over you, my friend. Oh, thank, thank you, thank you. so much. And I'm so grateful for Women's Prosperity Network. You and your sisters have just designed such a beautiful community of people who give and lift others up. When they succeed, as you said, we all succeed. So Absolutely. And thank you because you are an integral part of that community. Oh, thank you.
So thank you. Thank you, Peg Duchesne, for being real and getting real today. Thank you, everyone who is with us and who's watching. And remember that no matter where you are, you may end up being in a man's world. You may end up feeling like a round square peg in a round hole. But when you persevere, when you continue to rise up, when you continue to show that you have what it takes, people recognize that and it moves you forward in life. And Peg is the perfect example of that, of someone who is able to overcome and now thrive and show other people how to do it. So thank you, Peg. Thank you, everyone. I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll see you again soon with another episode of Be Real, Get Real. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you.